If you'd like to and you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 20, uh, we'll be starting there for the night. I just want to thank uh, Andrew for that introduction. And I just want to thank you, uh, especially the elders, for giving me the opportunity to, to speak tonight. And uh, especially on behalf of me and Betsy, just for being here this summer and just giving the opportunity to, to work with your youth and to work with uh, your church and to, to serve you uh, throughout the summer and just trying to do stuff. Um, we're just so thankful for that. And it's been a blessing already for us. I know it has for me, and I know Betsy uh, would say the same. So just thank you for that. Uh, your, your kids are great. I noticed on the retreat, uh, the first time I got to interact with them, uh, I remember talking uh, with Matt about it, and just like I saw how much the kids already loved the church, and I saw how much the parents uh, were involved, and I saw you know, how much love was already there for Christ uh, in their hearts. And it was just great to see that, and it was great to, to be able to come to a church where that already exists and just to, to work on keeping that uh, there and to keep it and just kind of to continue uh, to grow as far as the, uh, the kids go. So just thank you for that. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 29, we find Jesus uh, leaving Jericho, and, he, and he's just leaving, and he's got a multitude of people following behind him. Uh, and they're falling behind him, and, and may, maybe they're asking him questions. Maybe, uh, I don't, we don't know if he's really talking along the way, but there's two blind men on the road. And, and they're, they're sitting by the road, and they, they probably see or hear this, they hear this great amount of people walking by. And, and maybe somebody, they hear Jesus' name being mentioned, and, and so they think, oh, you know, Jesus is in this multitude. We, we've got to talk to him. We've got, uh, we, we've got to meet him. Maybe they've heard of the miracles that he's done. Maybe they've heard of his teachings. Uh, but they want to meet Christ, and they want to meet him, and they want to talk with him. And so they start crying out. And they start, they start crying out, you know, have mercy on us, son of David. And they, and they cried out twice, and the, the multitude's trying to get them to be quiet. You know, they're telling them, you know, you need to quiet down, you know, be quiet. Uh, maybe they're thinking that they're going to offend Christ uh, if they're crying out like that. Uh, but they continue to cry, and, and Christ, uh, you know, he hears them, and he has compassion on them. And, and, he, and he calls them forward, and they, they come forth, uh, and, and, they, and he quickly asks, you know, you know, what do you want from me? And just one of the, the, their response is just one that stuck with me. Uh, and they ask and they say, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Uh, just turn to another story, Second Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 15. We have the story of Elisha and his servant. And, uh, and at the moment, they're being surrounded by the Syrian army. And they're looking, uh, and the servant's just kind of looking out at that great army. And he's like, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, look how many men there are. And he, and he kind of looks to Elisha and he questions, you know, what, you know, what kind of predicament we're in? What are, what are we going to do? And it can, I can see Elisha just kind of looking at him and just kind of gently smiling and then praying. You know, he's praying, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord answers that prayer, and the, and the servant opens his eyes, and he sees the armies that are around him. He sees the armies and the chariots of fire in the mountains, and, and he sees that. And, and so tonight, we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at opening our eyes, and not so much in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, looking with our spiritual eyes to the things that we need uh, to be seen. Uh, and just kind of like Elisha's servant, sometimes uh, we are blind uh, to the fact that, that God is there. And just like the, the, the two blind men, you know, we are blind to some of the things that are around us, but, but we know what we need to strive for. And so tonight, uh, we're going to look at that. And, and another story to turn to is uh, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 16. We have David being anointed. Uh, I know we're probably going to be jumping around to a couple stories throughout there, and, and I'm sorry if it's hard to, uh, to keep up, uh, but we have David being anointed. And, and Samuel, at first, he gets all the other brothers to line up, and he goes, goes through them, and, and he looks at him. He's like, you know, surely, he looks at the first one, surely this is going to be the guy. Surely this is going to be the king because, because look at him. And we hear a description of what he must have been thinking early. Look at how tall he is. Look how big he is, how handsome he is. You know, surely this has got to be 
you know, who's God's going to choose. And, and you have to think, you know, Samuel's going based off, you know, maybe the past king, Saul. Because one of the things Saul was known as is being head and shoulders above everybody else, is being extremely tall. And so he was maybe thinking there was a physical standard that was set that a king had to, be meet, had, that a king had to meet. But, but God quickly tells you know, Samuel something different. Uh, and, he says in, uh, and he says, Do not look at his appearance or at his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, God tells Samuel, you know, I'm not looking at how tall he is. I'm not looking about how strong he is, how fast he is. I'm looking at his heart. I'm looking at his soul, and I see something that I want. And, and I want that to be the king. Uh, and we find out later, you know, David is known as the man after God's own heart. And that's who he's referred to as. And so, so God was picking somebody uh, not just with, with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes. And so tonight we're going to be looking at having eyes like that. And if you turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 7, uh, we read, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And some translations may say appearance beside that. So, so tonight we're going to be looking at having spiritual eyes and having eyes of faith and seeing what we need to see with our eyes of faith. Uh, so that, and we're just going to be looking at, at three different things that we need to see. And the first is spiritual needs. You know, sometimes as Christians we face uh, the temptation uh, uh, of being blind to sp- our spiritual well-being. We're kind of blind to our spiritual development as far as, you know, how far we're progressing. We're kind of blind to our, our spiritual sense as far as where we're at in our relationship with God. And sometimes it's kind of like putting blinders on. And if anybody's ever messed with, with animals where you had to do that or anything like that, you know what a blinder is. It goes on the side of their face and it kind of cuts off uh, the peripheral vision so they can only see in one direction and that's the direction that you want them to, to be heading in. But sometimes we have blinders on as far as being able to look at ourselves and to look at, at our, our souls and to look at our relationship with God and seeing whether or not it's where it should be. And that, that blinder could be something that uh, the world has put forth that we're distracted by. It could be something at work. It could be, you know, something uh, with our friends. It could be, you know, something like that. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, we find a famous passage as Jesus rebukes the people. And he rebukes them for being judgmental. And, and he's talking to them, and, and he says, you know, you're so worried about other people, and you worry about getting the, the speck out of their eye that you fail to get the plank out of your own. You know, he's telling him, he's like, you're looking at everybody else's sins, you're looking at everybody else's faults, but you're not looking at yourself. And so tonight we're going to be looking, uh, looking at the spiritual needs that, that we need to, to address. And, and one of the stories that I just kind of came across that reminded me of this, uh, there's a story about the king of Hungary. And you know, the king, uh, he's unhappy, he's, he's sad, uh, he, he's in a predicament, and he, and he just can't uh, figure out what to do, and he, and he calls his brother. And his brother is, a, you know, an upbeat guy, he's He's kind of, um, you know, kind of inclined just to be laid back. He doesn't really care about much. He's kind of indifferent toward uh, lots of things, especially to God. And, and he calls his brother in, and, and he tells his brother, you know, I, I'm, I'm scared because I am a, I've sinned so much, and I'm a great sinner, and I fear to meet God on Judgment Day, and I fear to answer for the things that I've done. And his brother kind of laughs at him, and he, and he kind of rebukes him, uh, which, you know, greatly, you know, distresses the king even more. You know, he's more distraught than he was simply because his brother is not understanding him. Uh, and to, to give you a picture of that time, back in that time uh, when somebody was being, was about to be executed, uh, a trumpet was sounded outside of the door before they were drug out. So in the middle of the night, the king sent, uh, sent some men, sent some officers to the, his brother's house in the middle of the night. You know, and the men sound the trumpet, and his brother wakes up, and he knows what that sound is. 
You know, he knows it's the sound of an executioner. He knows he's about to be executed. And he, and he quickly put clothes on, and he opens the door, and they seize him, and they start dragging him to the king. And he's trembling. You know, he's scared to death, he, and he's pleading with the men, you know, what have I done? You know, just answer me. What, what have I done that I'm, I'm going to be executed? And they don't answer him a thing. And they bring him before the king. And, and the king, I mean, this is his brother. And, it, and he looks down, and he says, Brother, you know, how, how do you, when you fear a man uh, as, as a man facing execution uh, from another man, not have the same fear that I do, when I fear God, you know, and he's asking him, you know, how can you fear, fear me and you fear the execution from me, but you don't fear God's judgment. You don't fear the, the executions that you're going to be facing uh, in a spiritual sense and uh, in an eternal sense. And it, and it wakes his brother up and his brother realizes, you know, the same thing that the king realizes. They realize that they needed to get their lives on track and back where it needs to be. And he recognizes his spiritual need and he recognizes something that we all need to recognize is that Sin is a problem, and, and we, have, uh, we have a problem with sin. It doesn't matter who you are, elder or deacon or, or youth uh, or you know, man, wife. It doesn't matter who you are. You have, the sin, you have a sin in your life, and you have a problem. In 1 John uh, 1 verse 8, John states that those who believe that they are sin or that have no sin are deceiving themselves. You know, he's like, you, you don't recognize that you're, you're, you're a sinner, you need to. You need to wake up and realize that you're going to have to answer for the life that you've led so far. You are just as much a sinner as I am. You need to recognize that. You need to wake up and you need to live accordingly to that. You need to listen to the words I'm saying. And he's pleading with, with them. And he's not just asking them to, to recognize that they're sinning and to, to realize that the grace of God will continually abound. You know, in Romans chapter 6 we read, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Uh, and we'll pick up in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You know, as Christians, we're, we're asked uh, to, to examine ourselves and to look at ourselves and to look at the sin in our lives and to try to overcome it and to try to replace that with good things. We're, we're asked to, uh, in Colossians to, to put on the new man to create a new heart, a new soul, a new mind, uh, in order to serve God better. You're supposed to put away the old person and to strive to be the new person. And as Christians, as being forgiven that sin, we, we recognize that and we confess our sins, we confess that Christ is the Son of God and we're baptized. Uh, but along with that commitment, along with recognizing that sin, uh, we need to, to recognize another need, and that's a need for growth. You know, when, when you commit to be a Christian, it's a lifelong commitment to be faithful unto death, and that faith means that you're going to try to, to continually to grow closer to God, and that means you're going to grow closer as a person, and grow as, not just as a, as a church as far as reaching out to other people, and, and that's something that we need to do, and we'll talk about that later on, but as an individual, you need to grow. You need to grow in a spiritual sense. You need to grow in the Word of God as far as knowledge. Uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we are commanded to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we are commanded to grow. It wasn't a simple request or, or something that, you know, here's a, here's a good hint. You know, it was, it was a command. And he's, he's telling them that you need to grow spiritually. If your heart and you want to serve God with all your heart, then you're, gonna, you're going to grow because you're going to learn to learn his word. You want to live his word better. You want to reach other people. You want to serve him to the best of your ability. You're going to want to grow. And so when you think about that, you know, kind of take a moment to examine yourself for growth. And that's one of the things is it's hard to 
when you're just living so fast and you're living like this, it's hard to step back and to look at yourself and realize, you know, am I growing? Have, have I grown any since the, you know, since the last time I looked at myself? Maybe in a year. You, you look back, uh, you know, each year and you, you think of something that you need to work on. You know, have you, have you thought about where you've been spiritually? Have you thought about where you're headed spiritually? Have you thought about where you need to be spiritually? You need to be setting goals for yourself and setting standards. Uh, the other night, I had some of the guys, we were talking, I had them set standards and goals for their summer that they want to work on, and they confess things that they knew they needed to work on. And so we're going to try to encourage one another, uh, whether it's by giving them verses or just better by asking and checking in upon them or any time we meet together to, to help one another out to grow because that's what we need to do. Uh, we need to grow. And I know as a kid, especially in elementary school, we had these charts. Each person had their own little chart. You got to put it on the wall, and throughout the, throughout the time, you get to stand up against it and kind of measure yourself. And the teacher would put it up there, and they put a ruler on the back of your head, or, and they'd mark it off to see how much you grow. And I know as a kid, everybody wanted to see that they had grown some. Uh, I mean, everybody wanted to. Everybody wanted to see growth. And I remember as a kid that I would get up there, and I'd get against the wall. And, and you've seen it before, and I know every person here has probably done it. You'd line up against the wall sideways, and you just tilt back, and then you start easing up on the tippy toes. So just so it looks, even if it's just a little bit, you're going to get that quarter of an inch just to show that you've grown. But the sad thing is, is that tippy toes, standing on your tippy toes does not work with God. With, work with God. He sees your growth. He sees your heart. He sees what you've been trying to do. He sees what you've been doing. Uh, he sees your intentions. Tippy toes don't work with God. It, it, you can't fool God. You, you, you may be able to fool people around you. You may be able to fool them, uh, but you're not going to be able to fool God. And that's just one thing that just makes me think. And to recognize the fact that you have sin in your life and you recognize that you need to grow to meet those spiritual needs, one thing you need to recognize is how to feed those spiritual needs on, and how to grow. And it's, a, it's very simple. There's a song that we used to sing for VBS, and you may sing it here. And it's read your Bible, pray every day, and grow, grow, grow. Uh, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, read your Bible and pray every day and grow, grow, grow. And we used to, used to sing that. That would be the first song that we would start off with. And it's such a simple song, but it's such a simple equation for us as far as what needs to be happening in order for us to grow. You know, we need to spend time in God's Word. We need to, to the daily Bible reading, which I think is great that the church is trying to do that as a whole. And, and I know everybody is pushing for that. Uh, and, and I know that uh, we try to read it in the morning before we meet. Uh, and that's something great. And that's something that you can do on an individual basis. That's something that you can do as a family. And that's something that, you know, you can, you can take with you and, and continue to try to do that. And that's something that's needed. You know, families, we, we need you uh, and God needs you to, to set that time aside for the Bible with your kids. And, and I know I'm not a parent. And I know things get really hectic. They did at my house. Uh, and I know things get crazy. But if you could set that time aside each day, uh, maybe in the morning for breakfast before everybody leaves, to maybe do the daily Bible reading or to do some type of study. Uh, I remember at my house, we would try to, uh, we would meet like maybe once, we would meet once a week and have a devotional. And we would talk about things that we were struggling with and we would read the Bible and I loved it. I loved it because it not only brought me closer to my family, but it brought me closer to my God. And it brought us closer as a family to God. You know, you need to have that time of growth as far as looking time in the Bible and to, to look at the verses and to see how they affect you. And another thing is prayer. Prayer is one of the, 
sometimes one of the most unused sources that we have as Christians. And it, it's something that uh, each one of us can always do better at. We're continually to be uh, in a prayerful state of mind, uh, continually thinking uh, thoughts that would, would better us. And hopefully uh, we are praying for God. You know, we, we had a, a prayer for uh, the church, led on behalf of the church, and hopefully that's not the only prayer uh, you've heard today. I mean, you've heard some this morning, and, and hopefully you know that, that you have direct access to God. You can talk to God anytime you want to, and, and He's wanting to listen to you. He's wanting you to talk to Him. He's wanting you to reach out and to talk to Him and to be connected with Him, and, and He wants that. And with, with all those things recognized, we recognize our spiritual needs, and we recognize our need to grow and how to do that. Uh, we're going to reach to our second point. Uh, we're going to go back to the story of Elisha, and we go back to Second uh, Kings chapter 6, and we see how the servant, you know, what he saw was the armies of Syria. What he saw was, the, you know, he probably looked out there, and he saw so many people. And he may have just been like, you know, oh, man, we're, we don't have a chance. You know, we're, we're standing out there, we're looking at this great army. What are we going to do? And, you know, and he forgot. He forgot whose side that he was on. He forgot that God was on his side, that he was with Elisha, Elisha and Elisha was, was with God, and, and Elisha was praying, uh, you know, praying for the people, and he was praying for this victory, and God was there. You know, and he opened his eyes, and he saw that. He saw that. And so the second point is uh, we need to see with our spiritual eyes our support, our spiritual support. Uh, we need to recognize God and, and the things that he has done to make, us, uh, to make it easier for us to, to grow and to meet those spiritual needs and to provide for us. And if you'd like to turn to, to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, we're going to be spending some time uh, on those verses. And, and Paul has prayed for the church, and he writes, kind of writes his prayer, and here's what he's prayed for, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of his glory and of his inheritance and the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? You know, he mentions three things. And we're going we're gonna to talk about those things as far as, uh, as far as just the spiritual support goes. The first thing he mentions is hope. If you, if you look at Ephesians 1, you know, 3 through 14, you have all these elements of hope. Uh, and I'll just briefly just kind of go through them. You have... Uh, in verse 3, you have uh, blessed with every spiritual blessing. You know, you're chosen in Christ. You're predestined to be adopted as sons, recipients of his grace, uh, redeemed through his blood, uh, forgiveness of sins, wisdom and understanding of God's plan made known to us. You're chosen and predestined, uh, included in Christ. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you're, you're given the earnest of the Spirit. You're given all these elements of hope. Uh, you're given the, the chance. Uh, you're chosen in Christ. You know, Christ chose to, to come uh, on the cross, you know, to come and die on the cross for us. You know, we've been predestined to be saved by him. You know, he wants us to be saved. He, he wants us to spend eternity with him. He wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants that for everyone. And it doesn't matter uh, what your past is. He, he wants you to make your future something dedicated to him. He wants your, he wants your present uh, state to be dedicated to him. And, and you, you look and, and you recognize that the people that he was talking to and the people that... Uh, that Paul had been writing to uh, may have been the ones that had been on been in on the the crucifixion of Jesus may have supported that may have been glad of it uh, you know but but the message still went to them he still wanted them to be saved he still wanted them to to answer to the hope that they were going to be called for uh, and we are called for it you know Jesus called his disciples to follow him and he's calling you to follow him 
And he's begging that you follow him. He's begging that you accept his word and that you accept him for who he was as a son of God and that you live accordingly uh, toward, you know, and, and to, to reach others with that same hope. Uh, after hope, we have uh, the second thing that he mentions, uh, which are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And I just kind of put that as your riches and your blessings. You know, we have been so blessed uh, at my home congregation, and I know you're blessed here uh, as far as blessings go. You have great people that, that love this church that are working every day uh, for you. Uh, you have Andrew, you have Phil, uh, you have David, you have uh, JP. You have so many people who spend so much time trying to serve this church, and you have that great blessing. You have so many uh, uh, opportunities because of those blessings to serve God, and, and God is continually blessing you. Uh, with different things, you know, you live in a great country, and we get we find faults with our with our leaders and some of the choices that they make. But if you look at our country, you realize how great it is, and and the potential for greatness that it could be. You know, we have one of the the greatest countries. We have uh, one of the greatest freedoms as far as being able to, to to worship God without being persecuted. You know, how much would the the first century church? You know, they were being persecuted, and I think about that, and I think about you know, I bet that really tested their faith. I bet that made the people who said, we believe in Christ, really stand up and mean it because they knew when they confessed that what they were going to be up against. And we are blessed today not to have uh, persecution of the church, but uh, at the same time, we're, we're blessed with, uh, with other things as well. And, and so we need to, to look at our blessings. Uh, the third thing is his power. He's talking about God's power, and it talks about what the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. And he's not necessarily talking about God's power, which, I mean, which is great, and God's power is great, but he's talking about the power that we have through God, through Christ. He's talking about the power that we have through Christ's death, through the hope that we have, uh, through the blessings that we have. He's talking about that power. Uh, and it just kind of reminds me of the story. I, I have a... A couple of years ago, I had my, my car that I have right now. I was having trouble keeping it started. I would start it, uh, but it's, I could turn it off for like a split second, and then it wouldn't start back. And I kept having to jump it. And I jumped it like 20 times within one week, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I took it, had the battery tested, it was fine. And, and they, I mean, they looked at it, they couldn't figure it out. And one day I popped it, and one of the guys walked by, was walking up the hill, and, and he realized I was having a problem. And he came over there and looked. He looked for five seconds. He's like, I know what your problem is. This cable's loosed. And I was like, I spent like, I mean, I spent like 60 bucks trying to figure out what the problem was. It was just a cable that was loose. And the people at AutoZone, I'm sorry if you work at AutoZone, did not help me. I mean, they, they looked at the battery for like 10 minutes and they didn't notice the same thing that he did after like two seconds. Uh, you know, and, but the power was there for my car. The power was there for my car, but the connection was bad. And it, it's the same kind of thing. You know, the power of Christ and the power of God is there for us. But sometimes we lose that connection. Sometimes we, we lose connection with Christ. We lose the connection to the power that we can have through him. Uh, we lose it when we, we lose sight, kind of with the blinders, when we are, are, are focused on other things beside Christ and, and other things beside God. And we start looking at things in the world. We start looking at work, and that kind of overtakes us. We look at uh, maybe you have events that you have to do, and that kind of overtakes us, and we lose connection with that power. And that power is so important, and he's pleading with the people to recognize that that power is there. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, if you want to turn there, we're going to spend just a, a couple minutes on that. Matthew 14, and, and starting in verse 25, you know, the, the disciples had already gone off onto a boat. Uh, Jesus uh, had told them to go ahead. They went ahead on the boat. Uh, they were, you know, out in the middle uh, of the sea, and 
you know, all of a sudden they see Jesus walking, or they see a figure out there walking, and they, and they get scared at first, but, but Jesus calms them down. He says, you know, be of good courage, it's, it's me. And, and so they, they calm down, they realize it's not a ghost, and so, uh, and Peter sees him, and he says, and, and Peter kind of questions, he kind of asks God if it, it's okay for him to come out there, and he kind of like, if, if you say it's okay for me to come out there, I'm going to come out there. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter hops out of the boat. And you can just see, you know, that image of, you know, there's probably people on the boat watching him. And so you see Peter, you know, kind of maybe tentatively hopping out onto the water and start walking towards Jesus. And he starts walking toward him. But all of a sudden he starts noticing stuff. He notices how strong that the winds are becoming. He notices how big the waves are. He notices the storm that's around him and begins to lose sight of Jesus. He begins to lose his focus on Jesus and on, on who is making it, him able and who is providing him with the, the power to walk on that water. And he starts to sink. But, but Jesus immediately, he, he reaches out his hands and he grabs him and he holds him. And, and he kind of questions Peter. And he says, Peter, you know, you have little faith. You know, why, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt in me? Didn't you see me? I was standing out there. I was walking. I called you to me. You came out there. You took steps towards me. And you were doing great. But then you started doubting. You started seeing the things that were around me, around you, and you stopped focusing on me, and you stopped losing that power. And it's the same thing with us today. Just kind of like Peter, you know, Peter was so, when he first started out, he was focused on Jesus, and he was walking towards him. And he, and he knew that Christ had the power. But then he started looking at other things. And he thought, and he must have, uh, and he replaced his thoughts of Jesus' power, and he replaced it with the power of the things that were around him. You know, he, he thought about the power of the wind, the power of the waves, and he got distracted by those things. And, and he lost sight of Jesus. He lost connection to that power. And so he started to sink. And it's the same thing with us. We, we, we look at Jesus and we, we commit to him. And we strive to serve him and we start living. And so we start living and we start trying to do everything that he wants us to do. We start trying to talk to our friends. We start trying to, to serve him uh, every day. But then stuff comes along that kind of knocks us and just kind of scares us. You know, maybe it's some kind of big event. Maybe it's a sickness in the family. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's something smaller. Either way, it causes us to lose that focus that we had on Christ when we were walking towards him. And we start to sink. But Christ quickly, quickly reminded Peter that, you know, you've doubted me. Don't doubt me. And Christ is just, you know, he's saying, don't doubt me. I have the power. If you believe in me, you'll believe in the power that I have, and you'll be able to do great things. One of the theme verses uh, for the campus this week that was, that was quoted as a lot um, is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And how true that is. And, and if people would have kept that in mind, he would have made it all the way. And sometimes we lose sight of that, and we don't focus on that. And we need to remember that if we uh, have Christ, and we, we have our strength in Christ, in Christ, that we can do all things. And it's not strength in, in and of yourself, it's strength in Christ. And so we need to focus on that connection with him. We need to, to notice our spiritual needs. We need to notice, uh, you know, we need to see our support that's there, to see our hope, to see our blessings, and to see the power that we have that's going to help us stay connected to Christ and to, to God. And we need to, to accept those, and we need to believe in those and have faith in those. And the, the second, the last point we're going to be talking about, things that we need to see uh, with our eyes of faith, is opportunities. Uh, we are blessed with so many opportunities because of the first two, because of the, our spiritual needs and because of our spiritual support. We have 
opportunities. And it's not just spiritual opportunities for us to grow. We've, we've already talked about that. We've talked about how you have so many opportunities. I mean, we have so many resources now uh, as far as just being able to get a hold of the Bible and to, to read it and so many commentaries that you can read to study more about the Bible and so many men who are so biblically acknowledged here at this church that you have plenty of ways to gain that spiritual strength that you need. And you have so many opportunities to grow. Uh, you have opportunities to serve every day if you take them. You know, there, there are people right now uh, in the mission field, you know, stateside mission trips. Some of them came back today that have been door knocking. That was an opportunity. And there, was people who, there were people that took off work for that opportunity, who, who gave up a lot of things so they could be there and so they can serve God and they can reach out to those who are lost. And that's what it's all about. It's all about seizing those opportunities that we have to serve God to the best of our ability. And those people took that opportunity. Uh, in Colossians 4, verse 2, Paul pleads uh, with the people, uh, and, he, and he's begging them. He's, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God may open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison. You know, Paul is preaching uh, the gospel to these people, and, he, and he's begging them, I need your prayers. We need your prayers so that God's going to open doors for us so that we can spread the word. And this is coming from a, a person who's imprisoned uh, because of this, because he's been preaching. He's in prison, and he's still telling them, he's like, open the door for us. And he's not talking about the prison door. He's talking about opportunities. He's talking about ways that we can reach out to other people, that we can teach them, that we can share Christ with them. Because that was what was important to Paul. He wanted to reach those who were lost. And I hope you want the same. In Matthew 28 and verse 18 through 20, we have the Great Commission. And it says, to go and make disciples of all nations. And we talked about how we had some missing today and how they're going out and they're striving to do that. And I hope you're taking the opportunity and, and it's not just about, you know, I've heard a good quote about, it's not about changing the world. It's about changing your world. It's not so much that you have to make an impact worldwide, but if you can make an impact in your world, then you can do great things. If you can talk to at least one person, you know, try to talk about one person and try to invite them to church each week, that's a great thing. You have opportunities to reach so many people because you have so many people that you can interact with. And I hope you're taking those opportunities. And I know I, need, I am one of them that needs to, to make a better use of my opportunities, to make better use uh, of my talents. And when we talk about, uh, we talk about the, the parable of the talents, and, and you have the men, and, and they're each given something. And, and you remember that the two of them do something with it. They, they multiply it and they gain more. But there's one who doesn't. You know, he buries it. And he, he gets scared, and he's like, I, I knew that you would want this back, and so I didn't want to lose it, so I just kind of kept it. And, you know, here it is. You know, here, here's your one thing back. But that made him unhappy. You know, he wanted something more. He wanted a return for what he had done, and God wants the same. He, he's given you so many things, and, and he's wanting you to use those to serve him. And he's wanting you to, to use those opportunities that you have, to, to use those talents to, to, to obey him and to bring people to him. Uh, we had a, a one weekend where we, we focused on the parable of the talents, and, and each person uh, kind of, we wrote out a, a commitment form, and each person committed that they didn't want to be the person with the one talent who did nothing with it. Each person committed that they wanted to be somebody who, who multiplied the blessings that they've been given in order to reach out to other people. 
And each person signed that. And each person was going to try to encourage one another to do the same. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's worked out because we've stayed in touch. I still talk with two people who are still doing that. And we talk every now and then about, you know, what we're going through with that. And, and this summer... Uh, we're just going to talk about, I'm gonna talk, we talked about kind of lifetime opportunities. As far as reaching people at work, uh, this summer there are so many opportunities. Uh, you know, youth, we have so many events. I mean, me and Betsy and Phil have, have looked at events, and everybody has kind of chipped in and just try to get events that, that we want you to come to that so that you can have the opportunity to grow closer, you know, not just as a group, which is what we want, but to grow closer to God. And we, we are putting so many opportunities forth for you all to do that, and we hope you take advantage of them. Parents, we hope that you take advantage of these and that we hope that that you're bringing your kids to these events and that you're encouraging them and that you want them to go and that you're verbally telling them that, you know, that we really want you to go. This is something that is important, and I hope you can take a part of it. And and we hope that you, uh, as a youth, take a part of this. We hope that you as parents, and we hope that uh, everybody else is praying, just kind of like Paul is asking for prayers. you know, constantly be praying for the people that are on stateside this week. We have a teen mission trip coming up. Be praying for that. We need prayer. The, there's the quote that the man is strongest is when he's on his knees. Because when he's on his knees, he's praying to God. And that's the kind of the image you get is that when he's got God's power, you know, that is when he is strongest. So I hope that you're, you're praying uh, for the opportunities that are happening. I hope you're praying for opportunities. I hope you're praying for the people that are, are trying to take uh, a chance to, to try to go out and try to work with those opportunities. Uh, we've kind of talked a lot about uh, your, your spiritual needs, and we, we talked a little bit about your, your spiritual support, and we've talked about your spiritual opportunities and opportunities in general. And tonight, uh, there's an opportunity. Uh, you came here tonight, and I hope you came here because you, you wanted to worship God, and you wanted to learn more about his word, and you wanted to, to remember his, his son's death on the cross and to sing praises to him. Uh, and we hope you came here tonight, but you have the opportunity right now. You know, some of you maybe not have taken the, the chance or the opportunity to, to be a Christian. And that's something that, that is so great, and we have that through our hope. We, we've talked about that, and you have that, the hope of being saved through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And, and, and if you haven't taken the opportunity, we plead that you examine your relationship with God. We, we ask that you, you look at yourself and see if you're ready to make that commitment. You know, the, the eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8, uh, he, he's trying to study. And Philip comes along, and, he, he, and they start studying together. And the eunuch says, you know, look, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? He recognized his spiritual needs. And he saw what he needed to do, and he took the opportunity. He saw the water that was there for him, and, and he wanted to be baptized, and he was. So, so if anybody has, has, has been thinking about that, has thinking about putting Christ on uh, as your Savior, uh, we ask that you do that tonight. You, you also have the chance, if you've had the commitment, if you made the commitment to serve Christ, but you've kind of fell away. You've kind of had the blinders on and you've kind of drifted away and let sin come into your life and you haven't really done anything about it. Maybe you, you've done some things that, uh, that doesn't represent the, the Christ name well. Maybe you've hurt other people or, or maybe you just haven't served God as you know you should have. And maybe you've kind of dropped that commitment. And, and we're asking that you, you look at yourself and each person can look and say that they can do a better job. But if you feel like you need to come forward and you need prayers and you need the support and you need the love and you need the forgiveness of your brothers in Christ and, and from God, then, then you can come forward. You know, I'm looking at the aisles and there's nothing 
uh, blocking you. There's not going to be somebody that gets up and tackles you when you're coming down because they want to get out early. You know, we want to be here for you. Each person here should, should look around and see brothers in Christ and see people that they love and see people that they want to spend eternity with. And that's what you should be seeing when you're looking from your left and to your right. You know, behind you, you should see brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ that you love and support. So if you need to come forward, we're, we're begging you to uh, tonight uh, as we stand and as we sing.